You're listening to Power in Practice, practical talk for living in a structured lifestyle. Hello, Power and Practice audience. This is a sort of test uh, episode. We're trying to get together via a conference call on TalkShoe, and uh, we'll see how this works out and uh, whether we have to do a lot of post-processing to it. It may let us do more episodes uh, in the future when we can't all get together in the same place. So um, David and Flag, you guys can say hey. Uh, David first, say hi. Hey, it's David. How are you doing? And flag, please. Hello. All right. Um, so this is this ad hoc version of Power and Practice is um, mostly uh, what came about because I'm I'm just so horrified. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> a good friend of ours dropped us the URL for um, a hideous little live journal entry um, called "The Qualities of a Realized Master," and um, it, I, I forwarded on to the rest of the panel, and um, I didn't really get a good feel for what, what, what David's take on it might be. I, I kind of had a feeling of what flags would be. Um, so I just thought I'd pick a couple of gems out of this thing, and um, and we could comment on it. Oh, man, I was ready to go down the line and just take this apart. <laughs> There's like 40 entries, and they all suck. Well, that certainly won't take very long. So, uh, and and this was, and this is actually I can't believe I didn't see this thing before. It's it's copyright, it's copyright 2003 by someone named Skip Chasey. I'm pretty sure I've seen this before. Yeah, I I may have and simply blocked it out of my freaking mind. Yeah, the bleeding in my eyes is familiar. <laughs> yeah, Skip Chasey is a known entity. Isn't he the guy who does Shadowfind? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But but he's definitely he definitely does the MS meetings circuit, the big ones, the national ones, and um, <clears throat> he's he's part of the upper echelon and now apparently a, a published author on the subject. Um, well liked, uh, accessible. Um, he's eloquent and crazy as a wound. Apparently, See, this, I, this stuff I'm, isn't I'm, crazy. It's just I'm unfamiliar with his book. Now, now there is another master of of his close association, Master Steve Sampson, who runs or ran um, the Butchman's Leather Academy. Right. Mm. You've all heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, what what my impression is, and I, I hope I remember this right that Samson is also an ordained Zen practitioner who may have some priestly functions as well and is le- has left the country or is leaving the country to study Zen again um, in the Far East. So he kind of has set a bar for his peers to somehow meld their own personal definition of spirituality with what they obviously take very seriously, their mastering and slavery relationships and training and as a, as a philosophy, as a personal philosophy. Now, 
anyone well, that seems fine. I mean, that's that's right. actually admirable. Okay, so anyone who's got a philosophy coherent enough to to lay out in book form and possibly sell said books might do so. I don't know. I'm not making an excuse or defending Skip Chasey no, and, and and what was excerpted from here. But looking at the excerpt itself, I mean, it gives credit for authorship and it gives the actual title of the book. And and looking at it in context of the title, um, I'm I'm not getting the feeling that this is being preached by any one person as the way to go. I haven't read the book. That could be totally off the mark. I don't know. But I'm thinking that it's not. And so my reaction is somewhat toned down because of that. Well, you know, if it was on point of a specific message, I'd have a lot more regard for it. And it could be. but, But no, it isn't. I mean, okay. First line, the very first line, a master is spiritually awake. By whose definition? What does that mean? Jim I don't Jones know. was kind of spiritual. I mean, you know, Koresh was spiritual. I don't know what the guy's talking about. Exactly. Really this is unquantifiable. Therefore, seeing it as an internet mean that people are gushing over annoys the crap out of me. I think we, we can say for, for recording and talk posterity is that it is possible that um, the fact that people are taking this particular chunk of, of Skip's writings and running around, um, you know, slapping each other on the forehead with it and talking about how cool it is and how, how this sums up all that there is to know in the world um, in 45 lines or less may not in fact be a accurate representation of um, the totality of Skip's message and that it's possible that um, I wouldn't react as badly to whatever, you know, if you want to call it in context or whatever. Um, that's possible. Um, but but I think taken as for what it is, which is a, a chunk of quote that seems to now, now that I can look for it, be fairly, you know, widely tossed around. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it certainly is being used as a standalone, and I guess my reactions to it tend to come to it as a standalone. So yeah, yeah. I mean, this may in fact but, be much more meaningful in context, but uh, out of context, it's meaningless on the whole, I and agree. that infuriates me. And and the fault there would be not in the original author, but in the people who are taking this out of context and throwing it up there as the Ten Commandments. Well, and you, 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 one of the things you bring to our little group, David, is a willingness to give people the benefit of the doubt. That, <laughs> <laughs> that both Ken and I distinctly <laughs> lack most of yeah. the time. That, that but, both, both fly well, we've, and I... We've been here before, and that's why I feel like I, I can give benefit of the doubt. We've seen... John Warren, Ph.D., published The Loving Dominant. And when that was popular, that got passed around. Guy Baldwin wrote Slavecraft. God, we even had a reading book club on it at, at one of the mass, one season at mass when, when Blair and, and Sir were still there. And we hated it. We loved to tear it up. But, you know, 
Well, it was people, in vogue. It it came, it went, and people forgot about it. And I think I the same thing's going to happen here. But to be fair, there was never anything taken out of context from the loving dominant that I didn't rip apart, that I wasn't even more validated in how much I hated it when I saw it in the context of the entire book, right? So so sometimes the, the, little, the little segments are, in fact, reflective of, of the, the screaming nightmare that is the uh, yeah yeah well I, if anything what I was uh, what I was intending to discuss here is the message that this excerpt sends I and I think yeah because I, I, I mean, we can't validate or invalidate Master Skip we don't know anything about him or his the entirety of his message but and, uh, it's and and perhaps it's the the herd mentality of 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 these 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 rushing accolades. That make me crazy because it just shows me that people read without understanding. And I, I'll certainly take this opportunity to invite uh, Skip Chasey, um, if you hear this and would like to talk to us about it. Um, we'd be happy to have you on a future episode of Power and Practice. So, um, so a master is spiritually awake, right? That was uh, so. That's line one. Uh, no, line one is the title, I think, uh, and 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 that's the first part that that makes my head spin. Priest in black leather, mastery as a spiritual calling. Right. Yes, that's the book title, right? From that's the book title. That yeah, sets um, the stage, that sets the tone. Um that that the, would make you walk away from the bookshelf right then and there. It would it would I'd have the same reaction except for the fact that that gives us context. You pick that, it up, uh, you go, this is a book about mastery and spirituality. You can pick it up, you can put it down, okay, at least it's in its own context. Yeah, I think Floating around out here with these sort of open-ended messages. Yeah, I think what got me was the introduction, all the introduction we had to the piece is I saw this on a listserv and thought I'd pass it on. It really touched me. So it's it's being passed with no context, you know, and then we get the title, The Qualities of a Realized Master. Uh, okay, a little wooey um, by Master Skip Chasey. Um, hopefully he'll be eligible for certification when that comes around. <laughs> well, again, no problem with the title because the Realized Master is obviously one of his terms. He's allowed to qualify his terms. Yeah, right. You know, okay, great. Yet, I think that the the, the blank reader, the, the, the cold reader, there's no context, so it's realized master. That must mean a good one. That must right. mean to be a master at all. Or or someone who knows them, like I realize I'm a, <laughs> a master is spiritually awake. So I fail, um, and thus I'm angry. Uh, right, right from, right from yeah. disqualified. Yeah, the starting gun was not fired in the air, but into your ear. This is over. <laughs> Speaking as someone who, uh, who who hates being left out and is in fact spiritually asleep, um, that that was sort of. Well, my problem with that is it's 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 abstract and immeasurable. And well, and I kind of like the idea. Uh, the the next one really kind of um, kind of helped, which was awesome. A master is actively engaged in regular spiritual practice to strengthen and deepen his awakening. And I've run into um, a not inconsequential number of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, new age black jobs, um, who when I would 
go out of my way to let them know that I did not, in fact, practice um, regular spiritual practice on whatever they They'll sort of look at you and nod knowingly and go, yes, you do, you just don't notice it. And they can they can pull you into their fold unilaterally, um, and I find that deeply disturbing, not a little insulting. David, do you have any problem with the idea that a master is actively engaged in regular spiritual practice? I've never met one. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> well, just pounding my dick between two big rocks until I see shit, does that count? Where's... I'm, I, I'm having definition problems here. Let me write up until rocks. I was about to say, well, maybe I do engage in spiritual elements. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could say, you know, a, a master is, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, um, is... is Morbidly obese and never comes out of his house. I mean, so Hell, well. that we are masters. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not saying that if you're not, whatever the qualifications are, that that it equivocates to being unmaster or not a master. Well, again, so, because they're working with this realized master definition, but I, I, I just don't think anybody's seeing that. See, I don't see the, I don't see the word realized and anywhere except in the title. It's not a realized master. This it's a master is X, and it goes on with that. A master does Y. So if you don't X or do Y, then you fail the definition right off the bat. That's, you know, that's fine, but it's. I think it gets funnier as it goes, right? So. A master is actively engaged in regular spiritual practice. To the best of his ability, a master loves unconditionally. Oh, great. i got to be Jesus. <laughs> well, he was a realized master, apparently. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose I do love unconditionally, kind of, maybe. No, I don't. I don't but, believe in unconditional instead, love, so... Yeah, I don't think I don't know that I believe in unconditional emotions at all. You know, I think there are conditions under which anything I feel could be twisted um, or or would not occur. You know what I mean? And I'm also not sure what that means. Why why that's important? Um, well, I but, think the intention here, I think the intention of that statement is to avoid the um, is to is to uh, to provide a commandment against emotional blackmail. If you don't do X, I won't love you anymore. Ken brings up a good point. Ken brings up a good point by saying that he doesn't know why any of this is important. And and that's the kind of feeling I got when I read the whole thing. I mean, maybe I just kind of wrote it off as I read through it, but it's just so so idealized within the parameters of this one person's ideal standard that it, it doesn't really have any meaning other than, you know, what this, if this person is expressing an opinion, then so be it. If he's saying that this is, this is what you got to do to get in the door, that's completely different. And that's, but I'm not getting that. Well, now, if, you're worried about, if you're worried about people reading this and, and making that leap, then that's always going to happen. So I can't even get myself excited about that either. You might be too balanced for a really good on-internet rant, David. I, 
<laughs> might actually be on too even an emotional keel, and I don't really know how we're going to fix that. But <laughs> no, but I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's quite that neutral. I think there's I think that there there are very broad definitions you know, that are being tossed around. Obviously, in the larger sense, it doesn't make any difference. You know, he can think what he wants. He can, we can be or not be in his definition as, as we choose. I think what gets me is not necessarily maybe this piece. It's that this piece so completely and almost slavishly boils down the worst of the woo world of, of BS, you know. In pieces, I've heard every aspect of this is the building block of so many definitions that to see them all in one place sort of uh, makes me makes me break out in a sweat on a level that that as individual pieces it's not even so bad, or as a piece that was entirely not part of a long line of pieces that are just like this crap. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know it's. A master strives to be uncompromising in his integrity. A master is honest, trustworthy, and consistent in his words and actions. Uh, I suppose. I don't know that I'd say a master's whatever. Well, uh, the only problem I have with that is that it suggests that other people shouldn't. Yeah, right. Right. That, that somehow the only one responsible for maintaining their integrity is, is whoever's on top. I And, and you know, I jump. I, to jump back one line, I think I think you're right, Flag. I think right. that is to um, the idea for that loves unconditionally thing is to avoid emotional blackmail, and I think emotional blackmail is. Um, I, I think emotional risk is an important tool. You know, maybe not even deliberately, but I I think it's it's hard for it. I think there's something motivating that goes. I know I do it when when I've when I have the be respect or or caring or affection of people I respect. That de- the the fact that if I turn into a screaming, you know, dick, that those people might not care about me on that same level is I think it's an important balancing factor. You know, so okay, so strives to be compromising his integrity, right? So I, I think there's nothing wrong with honest, trustworthy, and consistent. Um, except I think that you could easily say that's true for everybody, right? Not just... There's one in here I kind of like. It's, um... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? A master is willing to stand in the middle of his slave's projections about the master without moving, neither supporting or fostering the illusion nor destroying it. Now, that's an interesting concept because it's not one that I think often gets addressed, which is the pedestal the the pedestal feet of clay dichotomy and it's right. essentially just another it's another way of saying i am what i am i do what i do and you can accept it adore it or not and that's one of the few messages that i think is in fact on in this collection yeah i agree yeah, and, and and i think interestingly enough it's it's one of the few it's one of the few sentences that's actually complete in and of itself, with with the exception of of not knowing English, there are there are no none of those words that are being used in a way that is is outside the norm enough that you can't parse the sentence. You know what I mean? It's not open ended. You don't need mm-hmm. to know. Maybe that's why I like it because it's concise. It's to the point. It says what it means, and it actually says something, right? Mm-hmm. As 
to um, uh, was it? a master is willing to be emotionally open and vulnerable and does not hide his feelings, but instead expresses them in a healthy manner. There's so much about, well, healthy manner itself is so open-ended that what can you take away from it, you know? Is willing to be emotionally open and vulnerable. I don't necessarily know that I would consider that a critical aspect of mastery. Are we going to go down this list point by point? I, I don't think any of us could handle that. Yeah, I don't think we have to. I'm just, I'm just kind of. It's just so okay, happens. Then, the then let's skip down it. towards the bottom. To let, um, let me, let me just while while it's right in my mind before we skip. All another right. one of those sentences that is actually concise and says something very clear and that I actually like is happens to be in this one. A master is self-sufficient. I skipping aside the difficulties with the issue of master, but but again, it's a short, clear sentence that says effectively. To me, that's another way of going. The person who's less likely, who's less capable of walking away, loses. You know what I mean? If if I'm self-sufficient, then I'm I'm capable of accepting the possibility of the loss of 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 the people around me to to keep my rules, and I might be reading on into it. But I like the sentence that way. Go ahead, David. Where do you want to go? I know what you're saying with with the self-sufficient thing, and and I know it resonates with you because it 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 hits a it harmonizes with with a part that's in your core, but I don't see that as necessarily a a condition that needs to be met. Um, but if it is, it's great. But um, I'm just saying that you know a, a master can. I think it's a worthwhile ideal. Yeah, it is, a worth, it is a worthwhile ideal. But then again, you know, if if people are are in this for, um, you know, to 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 foster um, some kind of a a power imbalance relationship with somebody who is um, serving them as a slave then, you know, part of that service is something either desired or needed. And if if the slave isn't up to it and is, is more trouble than they're worth, then the master should be able to replace said dysfunctional slave and, and get their needs met by somebody else. Well, I mean, when I read that, I winced a little because of my current health situation. I'm not self Exactly. Exactly. You know, but uh, then again, you know, I had a lot of wrestling to do with whether or not that actually redefined me. You know, well, and 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 there's actually we could we could riff off that fairly heavily, and and maybe another episode we will. But you know, one of the things I to me, well, and, and it's a, a slightly broader definition of self-sufficient, but. I tend to I tend to include callable resources in that um, if the resources that are 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 extremely dependable. So when I when I read that sentence in this context, to me I would relate that in terms of do I depend on the services of you know any particular person? You know, and I know that's a, a bastardization of the word self-sufficient. So, 
the sentence sort of leads me here. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Right. But, you know, the fact that the fact that without a car, for instance, if I need transport, I can call a cab. I have the resources to acquire the cab, so I consider the cab as one of those things I can do. So I'm self-sufficient even though I don't own a car. So the resources I can call on, I count in my pool of self-sufficiency. So I think the fact that you have a fairly large pool of people that you have the capital in one form or another to to acquire the services of or to use the resources of, I think in that sense I consider you more self-sufficient than you probably do. Um, and because you can put in motion sheerly through your will for things to happen, everything you need to live every day. You know what I mean? You might not physically do it yourself, but you can put it in motion because you want it to happen. Right. You can a resource or, you know, you can let a pack member know what you need or, you know what I mean? So so it, it's a whole different thing, but I it just since you mentioned that you brought it up. but what I like that application, actually, because I was thinking of, of many of the ads I see masters putting out for um, slaves and, and needed services, and they can sometimes be quite specific. And there's nothing wrong with that. I feel that, you know, if if your needs require a certain type of service, that, that yes, as a self-sufficient master, you should be able to um, put the word out so that you can acquire those services by somebody who can provide those services. I, I mean, I just think in the larger sense, when I, when I think of, I definitely would think of myself as a self-sufficient person, but... You know, I was just reminded today um, because we were having pilot light problems in the house. You know, I I make use of an entire infrastructure, <laughs> you know, like every day, PSC and G and what. You right. know, there's yeah. there's hundreds of people serving my needs. So it, from a bare metal bootstrap way, I don't know that I am self sufficient, but but I consider because none of those things are in danger of imminent collapse, so I'm not that. Um, but there was, what was the one, if we're going to jump down, the one that got me most, the crazy one. The crazy one. Is the capper at the end, which is, despite appearances, in exercising his authority, a master's primary intention is not to get his needs met, but to meet the needs of others as revealed by the universe. It is a manner in which a master fulfills his design, divine purpose. His divine purpose with a capital what, T. What the fuck? Yeah, that's the one I wanted to skip down to as well. You, you definitely torpedoed that one. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that um, it, it kind of waters down, I think, the whole message because if, unless you're in the same congregation or of the same, you know, like mind of woo, um, it's it's meaningless. Well, it's 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 even more than meaningless. It's vaguely poisonous. There's a couple of these statements that are very easily turned on their end as accusations. If anyone doesn't like what you're doing, right. Sure, right. Because yeah, the universe told me that you're not one of the chosen ones, so get the fuck out. Well, it's not even right? that. It's like, you shouldn't be in this for you. Yes, and that's, the, right, that selfish, 
or or primarily self motivated is that and if that's true if i'm if I'm literally not in this to get my own needs met but to meet the needs of others, I have a word for that it's service, and that's not what I'm doing it's just it's not my it's not my place in this. What I find again is the weasel word there is um it is a manner in which a master fulfills his divine purpose. It would be easy for a priest of the Wu to look at someone who, you know, was me if I'm arguing with somebody and going, no, I'm in this for my own needs, and they're going, but look at the people under you, and you are meeting their needs. So, you know, you think you're doing your work, but you're actually doing the universe's work. And that's just the way the universe chose to reveal it to you or some crap. You know, I mean, we've all seen religion can twist and turn that way, you know, um, where you're part of the plan, whether you buy into it or not. I just think it's crazy talk. Um, skipping even the spiritualization, because I've, I've heard this without the religious overtone. I've absolutely heard people say that the the master's primary purpose is to provide for his servant. We've all heard that. You know, your job is to care for, improve, and make sure no harm comes to your servant as a first priority. Their well-being, your first goal. Otherwise, you are, by definition, a bad master. And an abuser. Yeah. And and that flows from, and I think we all got, I know I got caught in it for a very, you know, for a, a, a brief but definite period of time where I think that that sentence resonates so deeply because it is one way out of the guilt. You know, I, yes, I do these horrible things to you, but I pay for it. My I balance the karmic sheet by the fact that I am, you know, doing incredibly good things and I'm helping to improve you and, you know, you'll be better when you leave than you are. You know what I mean? And all that stuff. Um, right. Now, that's not to say that I don't think people are better people for doing what I tell them to do. I think they do become better people. But it's not my purpose. Um, I think it's the side effect. Um, but but so even without the spiritual overtones, I think that's just... It's a sentence we've all heard in one way or another so often. And I think it leads right into the one that's right underneath it. A master fully understands and embraces the paradox of the master-slave relationship. And I'm not sure what paradox they're talking about. Is it that typical, you know, regardless of what you see, it's the bottom that's actually in charge? I mean, do you think that's what he's talking about there? you got to read the book. you got to read the book. Well, i tell you what, you read the book. I'm not reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> I get a wobbly table. I'll read half the book. <laughs> and we'll probably yeah I, I think the odds that I'm going to read mastery as a spiritual calling are probably not and I'm sure even Skip Chasey is, would be happy about that because I would do nothing but get on here and uh, be tempted to just read it out loud and be annoyed about it it's, it's interesting that this came up when it did I, I just received um, in my Netflix the um, 1970s production of Marjo. 
which is the documentary of the four-year-old evangelist preacher who is actually forming marriages at that age um, back in the 70s or late 60s. And it, it not only shows the behind-the-scenes business of evangelical-style good old-time religion in the Bible Belt, but it, 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 it gives you a good view of the audience and how badly people need to hear this to make them feel okay about themselves. To have the, the, the spirit of the Holy Ghost go through them and make them ride on the floor and then empty their purse into the bucket for it um, is, is, is a, you know, it, it's half a common need in, in, you know, in certain people. And, and they will always flock to this. Um, they'll flock to a charismatic leader who is spouting words and, and you know, promises of high order and will we'll follow them. I'm counting on it. Yeah, see it. So, um, you know, whoever is listening is, is welcome to pick apart the book that I write when I, have, whenever I write it. But shit, if I could write a book and, and get it out there, and I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll put out my charismatic leader suit and drum up all the sheep that can follow me. Fuck. Yeah, I, I, now that as we move closer and closer to um, to having you know to having actual items published, I'm starting to become more and more comfortable with the general idea that published authors are infallible authorities and not to be questioned. So I think that'll be important once once Flag when your book comes out. I think I'll flip over right then. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and my line will be, after seeing the amount of work that goes into it, I hadn't previously appreciated that only the most dedicated and knowledgeable um, can actually get through the whole process of getting something published. And, oh, see, uh, don't do that, because that gives everyone credit. <laughs> okay, we got tired of those losers publishing crap. Yes, there we, we go. We finally put out something worth dealing with. Uh, there, was an, there was another one here that I actually kind of liked, and, and just for a second, I want to. I think I like the phrasing. I don't know that that Skip is saying what I want to say with a sentence like this, but I absolutely see myself using a variation of the phrase: "Pain is inevitable, suffering is optional." Which is about halfway down. It says, "A master knows that while pain is inevitable, suffering is optional." And I think that's an awesome sentence to use somehow um, well actually it, it's a, that's, a, that's a very valid statement in and of itself I mean that's the difference between you do something that hurts someone's you know that that bruises their ego or hurts their feelings if they choose to dwell on it they can choose to suffer or you can just get your shit together and move and it, that's a message that we've been dealing with the people under us forever. Yeah. Well, and and on the flip side of that... It's I less think, trite than get a helmet. Yeah, well, and, and the flip side of that is, I think we've, in one form or another, I know you've done more of it than I, but I think you've spent a fair amount of time teaching people 
how to make someone suffer instead of just how to put them in pain. I think that's part of that's that's part of what interrogation and mind fucks were about. Mm-hmm. You know, getting getting the, to the place where just flogging someone can't get to. You know what I mean? Um, I I'd like it better if it said uh, a master knows that while pain is inevitable, uh, suffering will cost extra. <laughs> pain pain is inevitable. Ice cream is optional. To avoid, yeah, no, no, no. I think there aren't there aren't any money really other gems. Um, no, I think we've pretty much swept it for for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fully conscious of fetishes power. Yeah, so there you go. So that's that's that that serves as a fine test case for the um for the telephone audio. Uh, I'll say welcome to guest number three. We have one person who's not us logged into uh logged into the whole thing. Um I I assume they can hear us, um, but they're not actually on the phone call so they can't talk back. Um okay. And so this will uh, this will also be probably one of the mechanisms we use for the um, seminars and live classes and so on. Um, so hopefully the process wasn't too bad for you guys, and we'll see how the audio comes through. Was there anything else that you were dying to discuss before we wrap this one up and uh, let David get to sleep to head to work? No, I'm good. I appreciate you guys uh, participating in the experiment, and uh, thanks to the audience. Um, David, we'll catch you soon, and um, Flag, I'll, I'll talk to you sometime tomorrow, and uh, right. we'll make our plans for the next couple of days. Okay, cool. So is there, a lesson, is there a lesson that we learned out of this? Is there is there like a motto that we can, like a little sound bite we can pull together? Like, don't take Not me. I didn't learn a damn thing. <laughs> so we subtitled the whole thing. Um, uh, um, gee. Now I I'm I'm trying to go with some variation of uh publishing is inevitable, idiocy is optional. But yeah. my, my theory is leave spirituality to the fucking Pope. And and now that I think about it, I think the, the opposite is is true and we actually wind up with idiocy is inevitable, um publishing it is optional. So I think <laughs> there that's, you go. That's that's what I got. That's pretty good. <laughs> One point that he left out is that a master goes their own way. And the rest are just cheap. <laughs> Gentlemen, have a good evening. I appreciate the call. All right. Can I guess? Can I? You've been listening to Power in Practice. Join us for more episodes at www.powerin.com. P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E dot com.